right, welcome in. This is the Fezzik Focus Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview Network. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is silencing his phone. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. How are you, Steve? I can't silence my phone. The bat phone is necessary during the podcast. Always working. Never not working. Never not working. Uh, Always available. Vibrate is your friend. See, there we go. God dang it. (laughs) Vibrate is your friend. Silent mode is now on. All right. We'll make it quick then. Uh, All right. Let's start the way. This is, by the way, week 14 of the NFL, if you can believe it. And we are going to start the way we always do with a Fez tale. Yeah. So I want to go back to Baldini's up in Reno, Nevada. Go back to the mid-1990s because I do think it's illustrative. So back then it's never been to Reno. Don't drive. Okay. Don't go through the, the gold something, gold spike, gold strike, gold whatever um, city. It's it's scary. Okay. Um, it's like something out of deliverance, only instead of a river, it's a highway. So stay stay away from those cities. And if you have to go, um, there, there's a military um, city by Walker Lake that's fine. Everything else, you're taking your life into your into um, danger there. Okay. Uh, but Baldini's is on Rock Boulevard. It's like, I think it might be technically in Sparks, Nevada, in Reno. Uh, old school. I went there like in the 1990s. Um, I'm just kicking the tires, you know, seeing what's up there. And I find out they have an independent sports book. I don't even know this. It's just called a Baldini Sports Casino. So I figure, well, they probably should have a sports book that is their own. And it was at the time. And it is again after being taken over for a while. And I go in there, and there's the lesson to be learned here is that if you can get a smaller operator sports book, it is very rare that that should not be a punching bag for you to beat up on. Because if it's just the economies of scale are such that, you know, interestingly, sometimes the very biggest places can can suffer because, hey, it's not my money. No one cares. All right. Like a big organization. And it's, but if it's a really small company, people just don't know what they're doing. So you've got like a keynote manager, you know, oftentimes running the sports book. And that was the case. Baldini's did not get the memo, unaware that parlay cards were beatable, would keep all the games on the board, on the card, regardless of the line moves. Now, what would happen back in the 90s when I would play parlay cards, usually there was a grace period. It would take a while for a card to line up for the best plays to all win. And then you crush somebody playing, you know, five, six, seven, eight teamers, even 10 teamers. That wasn't the, Baldini's did not get a grace period. I went there twice. I clobbered them twice. I beat them out of like, like 20,000 one weekend, like 28,000 another week, something like that. And boom, they were done though. That was like, that was what they made. Did you kill them? For the year. I personally killed them. Oh, it was no. me. It wasn't any part of my team. I just went in there. They gave away free donuts. Uh, they were really happy when I was slamming in cards the first week. They were a little concerned the second week. And then the third week, I was told there was no more parlay card bets were to be made. And by the next spring, they were no longer a Baldini sports book. They were like a, um, Leroy's had taken them over because um, the literally that one week, I don't know if anyone else up there was playing it, but it didn't matter. They That sports book was only making 50000 a year, and they just lost that. And why did they lose that? Because I'm playing Oregon State plus 10.5 on the line 7, you know, and you get the idea. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's just um, when, you're, when you're playing a whole bunch of 17 parlays that pay 100 to 1, 
and you're winning like 15% <laughs> of them, you're uh, you're probably going to put them into deeply into the arrears. And, and But the lesson is not so much um, how I did it, but just that if you're you know spread out throughout the country, if you've got access to a little tiny sports book and someone, some Indian reservation is running it or some horse track is running it and they're setting their own lines, uh, there's probably a way that you should be beating the heck out of that, especially if they don't have any sharps at all. And so they're blissfully unaware that uh, th how bad bookmaking can land them into all kinds of trouble. All right, let's get into the, the stuff that's going to help us beat the books that are still alive today. Let's, let's, let's have Fez help us kill some more books. Let's do that. Let's start. Where should we start? Last uh, night? You know what? Yeah, let's start with last night's Thursday night football game because we're recording this on Friday. Normally we do Thursday, so we've got a little extra info. Uh, I know you weren't happy with last night's result. In hindsight, what what would you have done differently? What what is different now that you've seen the uh, the game? I don't know if I did do anything differently. So I was on the Raiders. Um, in hindsight, here's what I would have done. I went back to my games of the year that I bet during the summer. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. I said I bet the Raiders plus six in games of the year. I was incorrect. I had plus eight. I had plus <laughs> eight. I just cashed that ticket. I like because station doesn't label your tickets. And I have one with a plus six and one with a plus eight. And I thought the plus six was the Rams game and the plus eight was the Kansas City game. It's the opposite. It's the I've got the Raiders had the Raiders plus eight. So it just goes to show these games of the year can be so powerful. And I do have a Raiders plus three from I don't know when I bet that um, for a game of the year back in October, um, you know, getting good numbers. But it didn't matter because, you know what, plus six, plus eight, minus six, the Raiders were the right side. I'm convinced of it. And it, the ball is shaped funny. And because of that, um, strange things happen. But ultimately, I think the one lesson is when you bet on a team like the Raiders, you're putting your hard-earned dollars at risk somewhat. So I guess this is the lesson. The one play cost the Raiders the game, in my opinion. And you know what the play was? Jumping off sides on the punt. The game is done so. Yep. It's 16-3. to three. The Rams are putting up the white flag. They're punting, all right? They're punting on fourth and less than five. They're saying, we're, we're, you know, it's not happening. Yeah, we're, we're tapping out. We're tapping out. And at this point, a player jumps off sides. He should be cut immediately. I don't care how good a player he is because – but this goes back to the special teams coach. The special teams coach should be fired immediately because he should tell his players, look it, if you ever jump offside on a punt, how often does a punt get blocked? Once in a zillion years. Yeah. Never. And get, you know what? When do you need to block a punt? You need to block a punt when you're Michigan playing Michigan State and there's 18 seconds left. And and the only way you can win is to block a punt. You um you I would never schedule a punt block unless it was a game situation where I was like down 18 points because it never works. When you're the team who's winning, going for a punt block doesn't make much sense. It is the, the ultimate, and and you don't need that. And same with trying to block a field goal. The number of times a field goal gets blocked from an outside rush from a good sometimes it gets blocked because the kick gets blocked. Um, the kick is low. The kick is low, and you got big. Big nose tackles that can reach their hands up. That's good. But trying to, like, speed block a kick, for every kick that gets blocked, doesn't it seem like there's three times the guy's offsides? Something like that. Like, a, I mean, it literally, it's not the risk reward's not there. Bottom line, undisciplined, low IQ football players making stupid mistakes, and then we just saw it just snowball. Well, I would argue the play that cost them the most was on the last drive after the sack 
when they knock the ball out of Baker's hands. Same thing. And that's just a, a totally avoidable play. You're just trying to punk a guy out for no good reason. And the same and, thing, yes. I, and I, it's all it's all a mental mistake. And this is, Fez, when you came on SOVAM with us the other day, and you and Scott were talking about the Raiders' money line. I said, for me, it's difficult to lay a big number on Raiders' money line because they are a stupid team. And they can lose to anybody on any given day because their players are better than most teams. And I think in your power ratings, when you when you say, okay, this is the this is what their roster says. Yes. It is a good roster. It is a poorly coached, disciplineless team. And that has to count for something. Exactly. Like, the coach is spot on. The coach has to say, God damn it. You guys, the, the, we're five and seven. We are not a team that can celebrate. We celebrate in the locker room. Yeah. We don't celebrate on the field when we're playing some shit Rams team because we get a sack. Oh, let's try to donk off the game and do everything humanly possible to get a flag thrown us. Even like when, when Crosby gets the sack, he's like thumping his helmet, which he kind of led a little bit with his helmet. Like, why is he doing this? Like, I know what the penalty wasn't on him, right? It was on another player. That yeah, wasn't on, yeah. Him. But, but the, the bottom line is this whole celebration on getting sacks shut the F up. And just but this back. wasn't even a celebration. This was just just a, well, it was it was, it was bullying. It's well, like uh, it's yeah we I we got you, and then just like punking him out, like I'm trying to make him feel small. What is it's, wrong with today? I, I'm, I'm old guy. Get off my lawn. You know what? You know, like you score a touchdown, you flip the football to the ref, and you sprint to the sideline. Stop with all the celebration, having fun. We have fun after we after we win the game. Then we can have fun. Then you can go talk to. Um, Fitzpatrick and, and and do the interview and 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 have a good old time or have a turkey leg on Thanksgiving. But there's all this fun during the game when you're especially when you're a bad team. Yeah, the Raiders and then it got bad coaching. It's third and one. You're vulnerable now. If you punt, you could lose. And then like here comes the uninspired run middle. You know, from a run formation, never works. Never works. I think this is a great example of, like, if you just looked at those two rosters going into last night's game, you said, oh, the Raiders smashed this team. On one sideline, you have a good, respected coach. On the other sideline, you have a Dumbo coach. And I think it, it, it just shows the importance of coaching in the NFL. The Patriots, even right now, even in 2022, don't have a competitive roster. That's a bad football team. I agree with that. The reason why they're afloat is they've got a great head coach. Mm -hmm. And it, it's crazy how much – and there's there's plenty of examples of the opposite side of that. I think the Raiders are probably at the top of the heap of talented rosters with dummy coaching, and it just it doesn't work. Like, yeah, it, because you can't when, win with those kinds of teams. When you have a dummy coach and he doesn't have accountability – for you know, for the players, and you know, you can say what you want about like the the strict disciplinarians and like the Coughlins of the world, and the players mm -hmm. get sick of it. But you can't be loose and goose and just excuse players. They're late for meetings chronically. You know, it's just like you know what? That's bad for the organization across the board. You know, things like that. And I think you have to give credit to Sean McVay. I mean, for. And you, I, I, there was a lot of people uh, last night, like trying to downplay what Baker Mayfield did for for some reason. Like, I'm as big of a Baker Mayfield hater as there's been, but the idea that that guy could come in on 48 hours notice and go win a football game like he did, 
you, if you're not impressed with that, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't know how you can't be impressed with what Baker Mayfield did. And that again is an example of where get a guy with the right coach. Look what can happen. Has Baker Mayfield ever had a good coach before? No. In Carolina or in Cleveland? No, he had the no. coach of the year. He did have the coach of the year. Do you think he's a good coach? Yeah. Kevin Stefanski, decent coach. Not I, a bad I coach. think Kevin Stefanski's an okay coach. You know, actually, I'm, 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 it's not my area of expertise, really, in evaluating the coaching. But Stefan, I think you can make the case. Well, that I, I'll Stefanski say this. He's a good coach. I think, I, certain, I, I think you can. I'll say this. Last night, he played with the best coach he's ever played for. I'll say this, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, all right, but indirectly I am. Baker Mayfield, how much time did he spend studying the playbook, and how many, how much more time do you think he spent this week than the, the bottom 10 study NFL quarterbacks in the league? I think he studied, like, nonstop. He had to have, you know? Oh, I'm sure. Like, you know? And, 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 like, literally there's some quarterbacks that, like, if they had been acquired, <laughs> probably not Josh uh, Johnson, they, they, oh, I think Josh Johnson is he like been, he would have been. I'm sure. I think Josh Johnson study. understands playbooks before he even gets them. I like. I think that's why he's always getting ex, hired. Ex, I'm sure that's the case. And there's like there's some players who are workers and some players who aren't. And I'm. Sure. But what's funny is I don't normally think of Baker as like the guy who's going to outwork everybody. But I think. I but think I think in this situation, he, this he probably time. like he he's probably back against a wall. I mean, I, and again, this is just kind of my guess on it. But he he probably felt like this is my my last real shot at oh, doing he's, something. He's off the wall from, yeah. from from one quarter that's taken him off the wall because he's sing and, and when you look at too the guys he's throwing to, it's like oh that well that guy was open and then they should get you know when you take a look at the wide screen it's triple coverage there's three defenders and around him he's still he's got to make the the accurate throw or it's intercepted literally over the middle and of course you know NFL quarterbacks are supposed to make that throw and he and he made them uh, sixty QBR. For Baker Mayfield last night, and that was throwing to Ben Skoranek and Tutu Atwell, while Derek Carr and he, and again he's had the playbook for 48 hours. Derek Carr, who had Devonte Adams on his team, and it, it, he had a robust 39. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know game. much about this Ben Skoranek, nor will I attempt to spell his name. But I can tell you this: um, if you've got like Higby in your fantasy football league. Uh, you might want to drop him and get the Skoranek dude because he's going to be the man the rest of the way for the Rams. That's clear. All right, let's move on from Thursday night football. And we've got some listener submissions, So, and, and they kind of lead into some other topics that we want to talk about. Uh, someone was asking about your process, and once the books put up the numbers, are your side bets, the early side bets you make, based solely on your power ratings? How do you, Where do you go from once the, the lines are released? And at what point in the season do you fully trust your power ratings? Uh, I never fully trust my power ratings. So because I'm never fully aware of all the in, the injuries and the situations associated with them. Um, it's true on Sunday night. And this is a great, a great question. Sunday night, the lines come up and I've got my power ratings. Bang. Um, I've made, made the adjustment. I've looked at the box scores, lickety split as fast as I can, made my quick hand adjustments, and I look for big differentials. And that's a winning strategy. So if I see a big differential, I hit it. I play it. All right. Uh, the Lions are catching, you know, points against the Vikings. That's not right. All right. I, I, I know the Vikings got outgained by 200 yards. I know that this game should be, when I make my first power ratings, it's right around pick them, and the Lions are catching two. I'm going to okay. bet the Lions. Now, in the back of my, my mind, I'm thinking, 
oh, it's a great spot for the Lions because they donked off the game in Minnesota. So they're going to so the situation favors the Lions as well. Um, and then some, of course, some of the X and O's people and the like are going to say, well, but the Vikings are a clutch team. They're nine and own close games. This is likely to be a close game. They can make a case for the Vikings, but it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's irrelevant. The Vi- the Detroit catching two and teased at plus two is such a good bet. You just got to make it. You worry about it later, how good a bet it is. And because you know, it's the numbers just wrong. And typically when the power rating number has, has the game off and the, and the situation favors that team as well. It's very rare that it's not going to be a good bet. And then as the as the week goes on, then you start looking at things like like the Tennessee Titans is, are shredded on defense. They got a terrible injury report. You don't want the Titans this week because of the. But that's not because of my power ratings. That's just because of the um, you know digging deeper into all the situation. And and I'm not going to be able to do that on Sunday night or Monday morning when I'm making my initial bets. Okay, so an, a a separate question that was asked from a listener. How do you get to totals? Like, I mean, obviously your power rankings give you a good feel for for sides. What's your starting point for totals on games? Um, you know, this is really simplistic, but this is what I do. So, I, I, the NFL average on yards per play is five point four five. So, I look at a team what they what they gain, what they give up. I don't have it in front of me, but if a team was gaining five point four five and giving up five point four five, they would be a zero. They would be a dead gotcha. average team. So they expect that the average total would be like right around forty four and a half on their type of game. Um, the most extreme teams, uh, I think the Denver Broncos, like are a minus like one point two. You know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're basically they gain and they give up like just around five yards per play or just under underneath it. Obviously, the Lions have to be a pro- Lions, on the opposite end. Lions are an over. Kansas City is an over. Some teams change their stripes a little bit. The Bengals offense got better. Mm-hmm. You know, their defense is still good, but their offense has gotten much better. Um, so, you, you know, you could you could have a fundamental shift in teams. But, um, yes, it's so like when Detroit and Minnesota are playing, that's an interesting game. Because both teams completely are over teams, and yet money has come in from 53 down to 52. And part of that is I, I never like playing division games in, in the second matchup. Um, in fact, that would be a query. Mackenzie, if, if teams play the second game in division, what can we query what their over-under is, how they do? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Second game, um, divisional game, rematch, uh, blindly playing the unders. How do we do? Divisional game rematch, all right. Yes. Yeah, so the second time they play uh, their division opponent. So, but basically it's yards per play is the the baseline for how you, you get to your totals. Yeah, and of course those listening are like, well, you got to incorporate pace of play, and that's certainly the case. Yeah, sure. Teams that play fast are better overs than teams that play slow. You know, it's complicated, but as a starting point, if I have to have one stat, go ahead and give me the yards per play for you know, for and against to, to determine, you know, a team's propensity for overs and unders. And this leads into another conversation that we wanted to have. When you look at the board, college or NFL, you say it's best to look at the highest or lowest totals on the board. Yeah, just in general, because it's more complicated, like the odds maker, when he's setting his lines and he's setting his quarters and his derivatives and his props and everything else, it's a lot easier when the game's in a dome and the total's 44 and a half to uh, for an NFL game and for college more like 54 to set you know all the lines it gets difficult when you have the extremes when you have games that are really totaled high or low now putting up props on number of first downs number of punts um uh, you know longest touchdown shortest touchdown all those props become more complicated to price I'll use an example um the Army Navy game we've got you know a very historically low total in that game 
that is, you know, and, and the same is really true for Iowa and Kentucky, which is at 31 and a half. And we've got Army Navy at 32 and a half. You don't see games totaled that low typically. And because of that, those are the first games I like. I'm licking my chops to play props on games like that because um, normally you're going to be able to find some kind of value with those games because the odds makers just aren't going to get it right when they start pricing all the derivatives. Since 2012, 54% unders in the second division game, 467 overs, 541 unders. So... I was correct. Sometimes, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we say, oh, we, we expect something. And then when we run the query, it doesn't do as well. But think how powerful that is. Simply playing the division rematch, you're, you're cashing over 54%. Yeah. 50, well, 53.7. So yes. not over, but right at. Yeah. And, so, and that goes back and it shows you like that's a trend that makes sense to me, like familiarity of your opponents. Game's important. That second that second game and just should lend itself to a little bit of a tighter game. And that's enough that I don't want any part typically of playing overs. Although having said that, I'm perfectly fine playing an over in a game early midweek when I think the total is going to inflate on a game like that. Sure, you know, and and, and pop it in. Yes. But you, wouldn't you have thought the same about? Wouldn't you have thought money would come in on Minnesota Detroit over? Yes. I would. But it's been the opposite. It, it has been. All right. Let's talk about that Army-Navy game. And you did something that you very rarely, if ever, do. And uh, this is something that you have ad- admonished me. I mean, I think this when you first admonished me for it, it was probably five years ago. But it, tell me, tell me about the Army Navy game and why you felt like it was appropriate to tease the Army Navy game this week. All right. Well, I'm staring at this total at 32 and a half. All right. It's a preseason NFL total. So I'm thinking, if ever there's a game that there isn't going to be a great deal of variance in. It's this Army Navy I, I agree game. with that. And, you know, who should be favored? I actually thought Navy should be favored. So did the marketplace. Navy's come the favorite now. Fine. Um, and I'm not happy about the fact that some threes are popping up on Navy as well. So the question is, do I tease Army from two and a half up to eight and a half? Um, well, now that there's some threes popping up, no. But yesterday there was two and a half. And there was a situation, friend of the show, Brad Powers, likes Illinois in the bowl game. I don't know who Illinois is playing. They're playing Mississippi State. Some some SEC team. It doesn't, you know what, they could be playing Utah Valley State. Okay. I don't care. All I know is Brad Powers likes Illinois plus two. And I can't get Illinois plus two because the, they, because this, the, 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 the screen is turning black. There's a steamerama. Everyone's betting Illinois. And it's clear Illinois is going to come a small favorite in the, next, in the next, like, few minutes. All right? And what's this? I see a book dealing Illinois plus two and a half, but it's minus 130. All right. Well, screw that. Oh, perfect time. Screw that. I'm not playing Illinois plus two and a half minus 130, but anyone who teases knows that the underlying VIG associated with the game is not going to be taken into consideration by the software when you tease it. So, boom, I can get Illinois, who I know is going to become the favorite within the next hour, plus eight and a half. Right, and and this teaser is even money. College teasers, six pointers, even money. So, do I want to bet Illinois, essentially plus eight and a half, minus two forty? Well, hell yeah, I want to. I mean, that's a great bet. I mean, in terms of an alternative bet, which is really sure. the same thing. Well, I need something to tease it with, and it has to be a college game to get even money. So I'm like, all right, Army plus eight and a half. We'll go with that. So let's talk about that because what what books have started to do with the NFL is teaser protection you're rarely going to see a plus two and a half minus one thirty in a, an NFL game. Like it's, it, it's becoming more and more rare because it, like oftentimes they'll go for it. Once it gets a two and a half, like 
minus 115. They're just going to go to three so people won't tease it. When I agree with that when there's slow line moves occurring. However, okay. when all of a sudden it gets reported that, you know, key players are out for certain teams, um, uh, the Bengals are playing Kansas City. Oh, Chase is, is you know, looks good in practice. He's going to play, um, you know, something like that. It, it, in that case, it would have only moved a point if Chase was not supposed to play. But, gotcha. But, but, but my, my, my point is if you've got a line move that goes all of a sudden injury-related from like two and a half to one and a half, sometimes these books, you know, they're at, the, the headlines makers at lunch, and they just hit auto move. And what is auto move? Auto move, and Pinnacle does this all the time, when a bet gets made, the computer just moves at four cents, six cents, based upon the amount of the bet and how highly rated the better is mm -hmm. so that basically um they put the you know the ship on autopilot <laughs> the plane is fly flying and the computer just moves based on the action that's getting bet and that works very well except for you get popped a couple times on on information news that you should be making a manual adjustment and two the computer's not smart enough to move the point spread it just moves the vig and so it's not unusual in cases like that. You can see the VIG go to like a plus two and a half, lay a dollar thirty. That certainly happened. I'm sure that's what happened at um, at the one book that I saw Illinois at. That it was auto moving instead of someone like saying, "Oh, that's right. We can't let them. We can't let them tease two and a half up to eight and a half." And I took advantage of it. All right. Before we get out of here, we always like to give a best bet. Uh, Fez, what do you got for a best bet this week? All right. I'm going to give a best bet that's it's hard to find, but you can still get it. So Army Navy. I, I got to tell you, the military teams, when they play each other, the totals have gone under. And to the extent of like almost 80 percent, the market is as low as it's ever been on this game. And a lot of sharps have made the case, hey, you know what? If you played if you played all these games under like the Air Force is playing the armies and the armies playing the navies, you won. But if you played under 32 and a half. You didn't win, all right? So the market has moved too far. They, they, they would argue, and I'm not going to disagree with that, but I tell you this. Army-Navy do, do not have—these teams don't have very many two-minute drives. They have a whole no. lot of six, seven, eight-minute drives, and they go for it on fourth down all the time as well. So uh, the first quarter, I got to tell you, I saw sevens, and I even saw a few seven-and-a-halves initially— but I think seven is as, as good as it should get. Absent a dumb turnover, and these are not dumb teams, Army and Navy, you um, you would expect that the first quarter score is going to be seven to nothing or nothing, nothing, and a small chance, three, nothing. So under seven sure looks like you win or you push. Under seven, current number, I'm sorry, I it's true. I got minus 103. I got minus 110. That's what happens when you're the originator. It doesn't matter. It's still a good bet under seven minus a dollar forty-five or less, and you can still get minus one thirty-five at uh, Fanduel. Yeah, no, one, minus one thirty-five bet online. Bet online, excuse me. So up to minus uh, under seven minus one forty-five would still be a best bet. Yeah, minus one forty available at DraftKings right now. So. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's it's still out there. You know, pulling back the curtain, it's hard for me. To, I, I'm amazed. I, I I just checked. I'm up 122 units for my clients. But I, I, I got to be honest, I'd be up a lot more if I didn't bet because then I could give my clients Army, Navy, under seven at Pinnacle's minus 103 this morning. Right. Under minus 103, I could say play under seven minus, you know, 110 at Bookmaker and play under. And by the way, Pinnacle has a minus 103 and pop that out to my clients. And that was the that would be the widely available number at the time. DraftKings was minus 120. Um, but. I gave it to my clients under seven minus one twenty because I was, I was like I know it's, it's like I bet it 
And so then it becomes minus 115. And then I know the second I give it out, it's going to start to, to, to cook immediately. And then the people say, well, Fez, why don't you wait for it to become more widely available? <laughs> you know why? Because freaking Alan Boston or somebody else is going to spot what I'm—I mean, it's, it's too obvious that the number's wrong. And I don't actually think it would, would have been Alan Boston because he'd be doing his college basketball thing or talking about how the country's going to hell. Um, but the— you, 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 you get if someone else is going to take it out, I, I'll, I'll just take it out first. Why not? Yeah, yes. I mean, because they're all going to get taken out. All right. You that, like that bet? I do like that bet. Yeah. And you said these aren't dumb teams. I think we can agree Navy is dumber than Army. Oh, I, you, you tell me why Navy is dumber than Army because it's, you went because ev- you were from ev- the Army. Everyone knows, Fez. Everyone knows. I don't know about that because I personally would you, rather. All you need to know is Navy dumber than Army. <laughs> I'm going to come over the top and say it seems less. Yeah, who's more experienced, me or you? You are okay, with the Army. Listen, you, you tell me about sports betting. I'll tell you who's smarter, Army or Navy. <laughs> All right, but personally, myself, <laughs> myself, I would rather be on an aircraft carrier heading to Hawaii than I would, you know, being like um, uh, fighting in Afghanistan. How would you feel about being in a submarine for two weeks? Um, not as good. Exactly. Yeah. Dumber. Not as good. Do they have twelve? Do they have twelve-hour schedules in submarines? Is, is, is that true that they sleep like four hours and then they work eight? And I I, I like, don't know. I've never been on a submarine. You know why? I was smart enough to join the army. If you've never seen <laughs> Das Boots, it is it is a top twenty movie of all time. One of my favorite scenes is they're 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 going through the, the, the Straits of Gibraltar, and like and they get sunk. And they like wind up on the bottom of the of, of Gibraltar, and like it's 280 meters, and bolts are exploding. Oh yeah! It looks like the whole thing is going to go like crunch like a tin can, and they can't get the thing to work. And finally, when they're running out of oxygen, it looks like they're starting. Somehow they blow all the ballast, and maybe the sub's going to get off you know, the bottom of the ocean, and maybe not. And then all of a sudden, one of the, one of the Germans yells, "She's rising!" <laughs> and, and they float to the top. Oh, yes. so they all lived. Yes, and they well for three weeks. I mean, it it was Germany in World War Two. Oh, so they no died after. Gonna, no one oh. was going to live. But they but they wound up, you know, getting to the top, and they and they just miraculously floated to the top at night. And and then the captain is like, they're all at home celebrating our demise, and just steams full speed ahead, you know, on the top of the ocean. And that's one of the the twenty best movies ever. It, because it, it sounds absurd. It's not absurd. It was remade. It was so good it was remade. Why did they run just si- suddenly float silent? to the top? What do you mean? They, like they were sunk on the bottom of the ocean. 280 meters below, yes. Why did they suddenly start to rise? Because they, they, I'm, I'm not a physicist. It, McKenzie would probably be, be better at this than McKenzie's I. McKenzie's also not a physicist, though. But he went to Yale. McKenzie, well, you went to Northwestern. It's wh- not like you're a dumbo. Why is it? Why is it? But what, it's, it's kind of like you, you have a situation like a, a balloon is running out of oxygen, right? It's either going to rise or it's going to fall. And you've got like the density of the sub versus the density of the water. And if the if the sub is is less dense, it is going once it's it, once it, once it's in motion upward, it's going to continue to keep going upward. Why would it not? You know, it's either going to go up or down. It's not going to stay at the same elevation. So if it starts, if, if it's got enough um, buoyancy to start to get off the bottom, it has to go all the way to the top. I just don't understand how it how it suddenly found this buoyancy. Because they blew all the ballast tanks at the mm. at, at once. All right, but then you said it looked like it wasn't going to work. 
the, yeah, because it looked like they, the the coefficient of friction of uh, on the bottom of the ocean was such that it wasn't going to be able to start moving. Once you know, I'll be honest, once, I hate this movie already. You know, once something <laughs> object starts to move, it's going to it's likely to continue to move. To get it to start moving is the is the most difficult spot. Anyone who saw Airplane seventy five, where the plane was like on the bottom of the ocean, and they levitated that up with like hot air balloons, knows this. An object in motion will stay in motion. It might have been Airplane seventy nine. It doesn't matter. Yes. I'm against that movie, Das Boot. I don't like I believe, underwater movies to I begin with. I believe Run Silent, Run Deep was um, was like the remake. I, I could be wrong, but Red October, you saw Red October? I saw that. Hunt okay. for Red October. Okay, right. did you like that movie? It's okay. I don't right. like underwater movies. I don't. All right, the, I make the case Das Boot is... Tw- Red October is a fine movie, and I would say Das Boot is twice as good. It incorporates the claustrophobic aspect of living on a sub and why the Navy sucks compared to the Army, and you'd enjoy that. So finally... We come to the same uh, the same conclusion. All right, here's another conclusion before we let you go. If you're not playing this college football bowl bash contest, you're a dummy. You're a dumbo. Free roll. Yeah, it's free to enter. Sides and totals, 20-pick men, 50-pick max on all the bowl games. Best winning percentage wins. First place, $500 cash plus $500 pregame bulk dollars. How many minimum number of plays is what? 20. 20? Mm-hmm. Sides or totals. Second place, 250 cash and 250 bulk dollars. Third place, 250 bulk dollars. Fourth place, 200 bulk dollars. Fifth through 10th, 100 pregame bulk dollars. Go to pregame.com, click on contest, find the bowl bash contest. It's free to enter, and there is real doll hairs available for the victor. You want this money. Everybody wants the money. And second prize is worth more than first prize in some ways because second prize first prize is $500 and second prize is $250 plus $250 in bulk dollars. Mm-mm. No. It is, but first place is 500 cash plus 500 bulk dollars. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's I, worth it. So really first prize is $1000. Yes. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, this is it's too good to be true to be honest. I don't you know. know. I'm going to do I'm going to do a little shout out here. Um Thank you. I've been hoping you would shout me out at some point. So yeah, so so AJ Hoffman is an excellent <laughs> choice to be utilizing. What I love about what AJ is doing this this year is because he has the SOVAM, which was it's it's a very successful new show with him and Scott Seidenberg. It'd be more successful if he tweeted it, so I could read it. I know, I know, I know. But he never does. I so know. you know, so so you got you know what you can't don't go on your Twitter and try to find it. What, you've got to subscribe to it. With, you subscribe your, to it on your podcast, podcast network. Yeah, it includes let like, Stitcher. Um, Spotify, Apple, Apple, Spotify. wherever you wherever you get your podcasts. Me, just search I just straight to, out of Vegas AM. I just go to Twitter and AJ tweets it. I listen to it. And if not, I don't because that's just how I roll. Even though I have set it to subscribe on your phone, so you get every episode is on your phone. So, if, so you open up that podcast so player. By example, I'm going to do that right now because he set this up for me. I'm opening up my podcast player, and what's this? And up comes Thursday, December eighth, straight out of Vegas. It's not December eighth. Oh. Friday, December 9th. There it is. There you, oh, look at that. It just populates every as soon as you open the app. Bingo. I'll listen to it. It's so much easier than going to Twitter and finding the well, link. I have to listen to it on my phone. I'm always at, at, at my office and working, and I'm never not working. You okay. know, you know with, with everything. So, so but where the, I'm going. the great thing about podcast players is you can play it in the background on your phone and still use your phone like a normal phone. Yes. That, can, that can be going on in the background. So it's hard to have phone conversations, though. It is, but you don't like talking on the phone. I don't. You like texting. Text, text, All text. that'll do is tell, like, if someone tries to call you, you just text them, say, text me. But you know who's the worst with this? Poor Bernie Fratto. I love Bernie. Bernie loves having phone conversations. Ken Thompson's that way. He loves having phone conversations. It's great for cementing relationships, but I, like, 
I, Bernie, like 88% of the time, you know, you're, you're asking me, like, can you be available for Friday night? It, it, just text me. Um, if I call someone, I, there's like a problem that needs uh, to be resolved a, immediately. Ex, ex, exactly. And uh, but but where I'm going, the reason AJ is, such, in my opinion, is going to be a really is a really must guy to get for college basketball. I love the schedule for SOVAM. In the middle of the night, these guys are are putting this up. So first thing, when you get up in the morning, I don't care if you're in Iceland or Hawaii. That SOVAM, well, maybe not Iceland, is going to be available for you to go ahead and listen. If you sleep in an Iceland, it'll be available. Um, and what AJ does is typically he'll have a play from the overnight lines, and he's very good at beating the closing numbers. So if um, last night, Michigan, you know, Michigan minus three and a half? A minus four. Minus four. Was yeah. minus four available at post? It was. Well, real. no, it, it got to minus four and a half eventually. But, yeah, minus four. There, there was fours juiced or four and a half. Yes. And if you watched that game last night, you know, National Anthem Michigan wins. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it was a dunzo deal. So, you know, getting at the numbers. So I love a handicapper that gets at the numbers early. Um, you know, I rarely do this because, like, people are like, ah, Fez is, Fez is difficult, you know, like, 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 like as far as making recommendations. And sometimes he doesn't like some guys as much as other guys. And maybe that might be true. Maybe it's not so true. <laughs> you know, but I think, like, Nover, Nover's it's like, 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 Stephen Nover and I got kind of, kind of got into it because I wouldn't recommend him to be a, like, proxy for the Westgate. And he didn't talk to me for, like, I, what is it, like seven years now? But, like, he's an excellent choice as a handicapper. He he has a different – savvy veteran, does his own work, networks with a bunch of people in other sports. He would be an excellent choice to pick as a handicapper. Just don't get on his wrong side because, like, if you don't do something you say you're going to do for him, he won't talk to you for eight years. Well, there you go. But still, if you can make money, yes, go ahead and buy him. Go yes. get it. All right, that'll wrap <laughs> us up for the Week 14 Fezzik Focus Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for the support. Tell a friend. Uh, and if you haven't signed up for pregame.com, do it free $25 for new signups. So, and that's, you don't need a credit card. Don't need anything. Just sign up, join the team and free $25, which will buy you a best bet from anyone at pregame.com. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, McKenzie. We will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.